Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND. That's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout. and That'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You're wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now let's get to the show. All right, on the show with us today, we have from the great state of Mississippi, Mr. Jeremy Aaron. Jeremy, what's going on in Mississippi, man? Uh, not much. Sun done popped out. It's sort of hot and humid right now, but yeah. it's summertime in Mississippi, so we're used to that. Yeah, we got rain all day today. <laughs> it's been raining like crazy here. Um, just off and on, but when it when it starts going, it goes hard. So, um, yeah. But you know we're on the we're on the downhill side to deer season, so it's a good day, and uh, oh yeah, got, that's right. We got a lot of good stuff to Even look closer. forward to. Um, yep. Also, I've got co-host Drew Robbins uh, on the other line. Drew, how's it going? Good, Parker. Good man. I, I spent too much money at uh, last weekend's Deer Expo um, in Birmingham. Yeah. And so, been catching up on all my honeydews because of such things. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and then, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited part to have Jeremy on. I mean, coming from Mississippi, Hey, hell state, man, Mississippi state just won the college world series. And I'm, I'm sure they have not, I'm sure they've not stopped partying over there. So, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good day, man. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. the deer expo, I mean, uh, what a good weekend that we had there hanging out with the tethered guys and um selling tons of saddles and jeremy i know you i i watched a video last night actually so here's what i did i've watched all of y'all's videos i was talking to mm-hmm. uh, i was talking to daniel last night on instagram and uh daniel is a part of the do-it-yourself hunter with jeremy for you listeners who don't know they have a youtube channel and they're really awesome but they're at the top y'all are like jeremy i don't know if you know this y'all are at like the top of my short list of youtube channels that i watch um like it is it is one of my favorite channels and uh, i found out about it actually through my dad of all people he said hey these guys keep showing up under recommended after i watch one of your videos i think you'd like them so i was like man awesome yeah and he was exactly right i i love watching your guys videos but i've watched all of them but i wanted to rewatch everything before we um did this interview today and i saw a couple of videos where you started using a tree saddle as well so i'm interested to know um you're a guy who's been doing this for a really long time and a lot of times it these guys like yourself who have a system in place that works for them they have a hard time switching something up that big what was your impression of saddle hunting uh, for the first time well two years ago daniel just took his safety harness and rigged it up where he could hunt out at right at first bow season. 
And I got thinking, you know, yeah, I did. He's like, man, I like this. And he flew around and ordered him a saddle and, and got hunting out of it and got watching him on his video. And I'm like, well, heck, I'll try. I'm a sucker. I'll try anything once. Well, I got it. And I, I didn't get a platform at first. And I really liked it, but it, it hurt my feet. You know, how you hold up on the steps and stuff. And I hunted, I didn't get it to like December, mm-hmm. but two years ago. And I hunted right around here. And first day I climbed, killed a doe with it. I was like, all right, this is going to be something lucky here. You know, I said, I look at, <laughs> look at hunting products. If it works right the first time I, I use it, it's going to be a good thing. So I got used it and hunted a good bit out of it and really liked it. I really liked it for self-filming because you're a lot more, you can film. You know, when you're sitting in a tree stand, it's sort of like you right angle to you, you right side. You've got a 90 degree right there. If it comes in there, you pretty much can can get good footage so you know i usually always just backed up against a creek or something like that when i was filming with a with a lock on but with this saddle you know you sort of face you trail left and right and you can pretty much film anywhere you know sort of straight behind you it's sort of hard but you can move around the tree and and get there so that's really what i like like it more for is is for filming but you know it's mobile too you know i can you can go way in and it's a little lighter but after i got the platform i like it a lot more yeah, because if I, I get sort of tired, because I've hunted all day out of it last year, I've got twenty days. I, I sat from daylight to dark in it and didn't have no trouble. But you just sort of shift your weight or stand. A lot of times, if I got a spot and a deer comes behind me, if you can get that tree leaning away from me just a little bit, so when you stand up, you're standing up straight instead of a tree leaning towards you. You know, I, a lot of times I just stand up on the platform and have me enough slack where I can just turn around and and shoot straight behind me That's right. like I'm in a, a lock-on. So, you know, I I think most folks that that, that try them, and, you know, I'm not saying a big guy is not is going to like them because he's going to put a lot of weight on your tail. But somebody that's not a real big fella, I think they're going to love them. Yeah, you know? and and I, I'm there with you on everything except for the thing about big guys not liking them because, uh, Jeremy, I know you don't know Drew, but Drew is a Viking. Drew is built like a Viking. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, okay. Jeremy, Jeremy, don't don't let Parker lie to you, Jeremy. I am I am six flat. I'm 190 pounds. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's that's actually I was six flat, 190 pounds in the third grade. So, um, so but, you know, you're not a big guy. I think heck, I'm 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 five six. I'm 190 pounds. So. <laughs> it's, it, it, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying them, them big, big boys. Yeah, they know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, oh yeah, and, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a, gonna sit there and say they they can't go set an hour to them a couple of hours, but they're not all day set for them. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and a lot of and a lot of folks in the South is not used to all day set. You know, I did. I, I don't really around here, and that's what got me really liking going off hunting. You know, like I said, I've been self employed my whole life and had business stuff. In the evenings, I could hunt fine around here. But in the morning, I get in the stand eight nine o'clock. I'm like crap, I got too much stuff. I got to go do, and uh, and I, I had to get down and go do stuff. Or I get out of state. You know, I'm too far away from home to come back. I, I, that's why I just I've always really loved traveling and hunting. You know, that's the thing that really sticks out to me when I think when I when I had the idea of uh, getting you on for this local legend series is. Through watching your videos and keeping up with you on social media and doing that kind of stuff, um, I noticed the consistency that you and Daniel both have. Um, I know you hunt a little bit more than he does as far as like the the different states and things, but you would go out. It seemed like every time I was watching one of your videos, you're like, man, I've never been here, hadn't been here before, and you'd go out and within a couple days uh, have a, a good-sized buck on the ground. And so just thinking about that, you know, we were talking uh, about different people that we could have on the Local Legends series. And part of Local Legends series to me is consistency. You know, we may talk to somebody throughout the season um, or or at any other time that might have killed a couple good bucks. But what you've got going on for you is you're just consistent, man. You're always killing really good yeah. deer. Well, the way I look at that is with experience, you learn, you start learning, hey, I killed this deer. What what was the situation around it? Was it the weather? Was it the time of the year? It wasn't start putting things like that together and make it work again for the next time. 
And that's why I really like Daniel and I sort of took him under my wing because he reminds me so much of, of me at that age. And, and you know, he kills a deer. He's like, man, I think this is why I killed him because he's done this and this and done that instead of just like, oh, I got lucky. I killed that deer. You know, you get thinking, mm-hmm. you know, put, put things together. Because here's – I've got a, a factor I look at when I'm – say, like, I want to go to North Dakota this year in September. No, it's not going to be a rut. But how I am now, since I'm pretty much self-employed and halfway semi-retired, I'm going to look for weather. I'm going to sit back and wait for that first first big northern front to come through, and that's when I'm going. You know, I, I know a lot of people can't do that. That's working, and they got to take off this week or a certain you know a certain time. They got to take off in advance. You know, they're at a disadvantage. But a lot of times, when I kill good deer, is I go when that catch that front, because I know then deer are going to be moving. Because I, I got a thing. I said there's three things. There's three determinant factors to kill a big deer. And when they all line up, it's better. Just say, all right, my first one is the rut. You know, we always know the rut is the best time to hunt. Mm-hmm. All right. The second thing is hunting the front. When you got weather coming in, you know, right at, the, right at that front and right after. And they get that barometric pressure about right. So that, that's two. And then the other thing is, is uh, well, let me give a thing. thing here and get talking. And I, I let them line up. So when I sort of say, if three of them's right, the, the other is the moon face. The third one is the moon face. So they'll say, I know I've, I've drawn a Colorado southeastern deer tag this time, and I really want to put emphasis on it. I want to go. Their rut is around the 15th to the 20th. I've done research. So that's one factor I know is going to be good, them dates. All right, if I can catch a front coming through them dates, that's going to make it the second time. And then if I can catch the moon phase, right, just say if the moon phase, I really like hunting right after the full moon, two, three, four days right after the full moon. So a lot of times in the morning when you wake up, that moon's still straight up overhead. You know, usually that fourth and fifth day after the full moon, it's not quite overhead yet. Mm-hmm. So that means that deer, you know, I don't know if y'all hunt the moon or not, but if you hunt enough, it's not exact science. But when the moon's straight up and straight down, that's, that's pretty much prime move time. When the, when the moon's rising in the morning and setting in the evening, that's minor time. And you go look at your cell phone cameras. You go back and check them dates with them lunar charts. I guarantee you they're going to be pretty close. They're going to be a lot more. They're going to be right a lot more times than wrong. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I I I use them three factors when I'm looking at going somewhere to hunt. And you, say like if I'm going to North North Dakota early, we know the rut's not going to be there because that's not the wrong time of year. But if the moon phases right and I catch a front coming through, there's two of the three. So that's a good time to hunt. Jeremy, you talk, you talk a lot. You, I've heard you talk a lot about moon phases, and I want to get into that too because we haven't really done it. Uh, we haven't talked about moon phase just a ton in the past. But, um, you know, you, you hunt a place like Mississippi is where you live. And you hunt a lot of public land there in Mississippi. You hunt some private land there in Mississippi, um, and, and talking about these fronts, obviously a front in Alabama or Mississippi or, you know, Louisiana in the South, where it's typically a little bit hotter, a front is going to have a different effect than, uh, it does up North, uh, and, and maybe not a different effect as far as deer go, but it's going to be, um, it's not going to be quite as... Yeah, the temperature is colder. Do you find that those fronts, do you, I'm thinking the right way to say this, whether it's a warm front or a cold front, any type of front, does it have the same effect? Well, extremely the way will work, because I have seen killed good deer on extremes. You know, what we had two years ago when it was like 95 degrees in October, open day or a couple in October here, Mm -hmm. deer move. You know, seeing deer out in the field didn't kill them, but we got pictures of some pretty good deer right in that extreme. But the main thing when I look on extreme is a 10-degree temperature change. Just say, say this morning it was, you know, say we was in the wintertime and it was like 40, was you low? Well, tomorrow morning it's going to be 30. There's a 10-degree temperature change. And most time when you get that temperature change like that, the wind's been shipped out of the north or west, northwest, because mm-hmm. that front's done, done come through. That's, that's what you're looking for is that big change in temperature is what I look at. And most time that wind's blowing when that front comes through. You know, I, I, I don't even know what the guy's name. I've watched a YouTube channel several years ago that I learned a lot of from him. It's a lot of times that wind or rain or something, them deer just sort of hunker down. 
they just sort of wait it out. Mm-hmm. And then after it breaks and it clears off, that's when they're going to get up on their feet and start moving. So, but I've, I've noticed hunting the mountain states out west, the moons don't affect them deer as much out there and elk as much. Okay. I, don't, I don't know what it, if, I don't know if it's because their climate is a little more extreme. It just seems like they're more of an early and late mover than our deer are. Hmm. You know, because hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know, probably, probably three weeks ago, Generally, that time frame, I come across a bean field here, and I seen five bucks out in it. I'm like, dang. And it's like 9.30 in the morning. Well, I went home to pull my moon chart up. Well, heck, we were on a major time right then. They was out in that field feed. I'm like, I figured so. I figured that we were close on the, on the, the moon straight up here. It was straight down. You know, I, I guess that's what I tell you listeners. Pay a little attention to that. You, most everybody nowadays has got you know cameras out. Yeah. You get a picture of a good deer all you got to do is there's one i i look at a little dot com it's a best time to hunt dot net best time to hunt dot net pull it up and it'll give you the major and minor times for that month or you can go the month ahead now is that something that's one thing i get that is uh on that best times to hunt dot net is that go by your location do you put in your zip code or something like that you, you can't put in zip code, but it don't change that much from the it it just a few minutes from the north end of the east side of the time zone to the west side of the time zone. Okay. I think when it first comes up, it's like in Los Angeles, but then you put your your zip code in, and it may change just a few minutes. You yeah. know, it's not like ours different. So, I gotcha. you know, yeah. But but yeah, that's one I thing I guess you. a tip I would I would tell somebody that's that's say you work for UPS or something. I got a buddy that works for UPS. And he's just five weeks a year off you can uh if you're wanting to go to say illinois this year look and see when that moon's going to be full and if it'll fall within that fifth to the 15th i, I would plan my hunt around it and then just hoping you, i'm gonna get weather to go with it hmm. does it does that make sense to you mm-hmm. you know that's what because mm-hmm. I, I i really do hunt weather in front you know i can sit and wait on the front but a lot of guys has has got a nine to five job or something that's got to take off in advance they can't sit and wait on the front. They're just hoping they get that weather. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you're when you're talking through um, these different states, one of the things that you said, uh, I can't remember if we were recording or, or not, but you, you talked about finding, when you go on out-of-state trips, trying to find places that um, are similar to what you're used to hunting at home, stuff that you've learned how to do at home. Um, so you're in the you're in Mississippi – Kind of when I think Mississippi, I think river bottom type property, pretty flat, not super mountainous, maybe a little bit of rolling hills here and there. But is that typically what you're looking for when you go well, on an out of state yeah. trip? Well, in North Mississippi, where I'm at, North Central Mississippi, we're sort of rolling hills with with river bottoms that feed to the delta. You know, they go toward the Mississippi River. So mm-hmm. we've got agriculture in the bottom, but eighty percent of our ground is is timber timberland. It was timber, so it's thick. No, I don't, you know, I, I guess I got started hunting that way because it's basically a big core lake 10 miles from me here. And I grew up hunting the backwaters of it. So that really got me started hunting water. And then I've got hunting off, sort of hunting the same way. You know, you know, I've hunted all the rivers pretty much, Ohio, the Missouri, the Arkansas. And you hunt them all the same way. Why I really like hunting rivers is most of the time you don't get there from the boat. I know I probably killed a handful of them that fell within 20 yards of the boat mm-hmm. because that, that river is a natural barrier. Most of the time they're not going to cross it unless something makes them cross it. Yeah. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're coming, they're coming up beside it. And you say, if you find a big Creek or something that, that goes perpendicular to it, most time you can go up that Creek to where it starts getting shallow. Well, they're going to be crossing it right there because that's the easiest place for them to cross. So it's to me, I've just sort of found my niche of hunting bottoms like that. You know, even if you get in a big bottom, it's got old oxbows and sloughs and stuff in it. They're natural barriers. They're going to go around them most time. I've noticed you that know, so watching that's, that's, your videos. Um, when you yeah, it, when you go on an out-of-state trip, it always, it always feels like it's like the, the progression is very similar on each of your videos that I've seen and each of your hunts. The progression is super similar. It usually starts out something like, you know, I left last night or I left, you know, yesterday afternoon. 
slept in the truck for a couple hours, and now I'm here at the boat ramp. By the way, there ain't nobody at the boat ramp. That's why I do this, you know. And you you explain <laughs> that, and you and you usually turn the camera around, and there's nobody there. And you're hunting states. I watched this the hunt that you did in uh, Kansas one year, and you go out there and you hung a trail camera and got some big deer and you ended up, uh, I want to say you hit a deer, but you weren't able to recover it, but he was a huge buck and you were just kind of, um, you know, not far away from the, from the boat, you know, you just oh, yeah. right there at it. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, that's one niche about hunting from water is most of the time right next to river is the best spot, Yeah, you know, but, but I, I guess going back, you know, you asked me the question earlier. I don't think we was on we was hot then on Mike. A lot of you know, I've had two guys text me this morning or message me and say, "Hey, I'm going to go out stuff for the first time. You got any ideas or tips what I, what I need to look for?" Well, and I, that's what I basically tell them: Hey, find your niche of way you like to hunt around your home area. If you if you got where you can kill mature deer, and when I call mature deer, a three or four year old deer or older, if you can consistently kill a a three or four year old deer here in the south, he's an educated deer. Especially if you kill him on public land. So if yeah. you can you can do that in the south, you can go to any other state and do the same thing. Just just find similar ground that you're good at. You know, like I said, some folks like hunting the mountains. I've got a couple of buddies that kill some dang good deer in Arkansas on the dang mountains. I, I you know I don't like them hills that much. When I was younger, I did. You know, you can hunt saddles and them benches. You know, there's a way to hunt mountains. If you hunt around like the back of this lake here, there's a lot of agriculture, you know, a lot of farmland. And you can find these fence rows and thickets, creek banks around them. There's all kind of them all over the Midwest. So, you know, that's what I basically said. Find what the way you like to hunt and go look for ground like that in, you know, pretty much any state. Yeah. Like I said, I just got back from the Northeast with my wife. Just, you know, my goal was to go see all 50 states. Well, I like 10 states. So we got back, I think, Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening one. I've been in all 50 states now. Hmm. And the Northeast didn't surprise me. Every flat spot you found, there was corn. You know, they farmed it. You know, if it was a creek bottom or something like that, there was corn and soybeans. So, you know, and like I said, we got driving the road. I'd keep my own ex on and just sort of paid attention to what, what was around me. There was no trouble finding public land. You know, a lot, a lot of guys, oh, that public land's over hunting. Yeah. I, 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 I guess a rule of thumb, I always say, if there's been a big deer killed on a place and it's been advertised, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there hunting. So I, I don't go for yeah. the best place in the state. I, do, I sort of look for that third and fourth and fifth place that's got good ground. So what I've learned years ago by hunting the Midwest in different places, I like to talk to people when I get there. And I'm actually a farmer at the at the quick stop there, and I'm like, what kind of yield corn y'all y'all go around this country here? Man, you get up an aisle where they say thirty, fifty, or growing corn. Like if it grows corn, it grows big horns. So, so that's one thing I always ask is, all right, what kind of yields y'all grow? Because it's all about the dirt. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, better the soils and better the horns are. Yeah, and you you find that I've been out of state several times, and a lot of time. Earlier on, whenever I did that, I would go and try to find something that I had not hunted before, like some type of terrain that I wasn't used to. Um, you know, people, if, if people listen to this, have watched any of the videos that I've done in Kentucky. Um, when I first started going to Kentucky, I was hunting flat farmland, which is just not what I was used to. And I was getting my butt beat. And uh, then finally last year, I went to a place that had some terrain and it was set up more like I was used to and ended up killing a, a pretty good deer within a few days. And so for me, hearing you say that, it that just drives home the point of like, yes, if there there's you can travel all over the United States and there's a good chance you're gonna be able to find something in one of these other states that is similar to your home home range. And if that's what you're used to Maybe. then go for it you know like that's what yeah, you need that, to be doing yeah, yeah that, that's why i tell them look for look for something like that you your couple in and, and you're going to be you know you already know how to hunt it here so it's not gonna be no different when you go yeah. north and, yeah. I, and i tell yeah. these southern guys if you can kill deer in the south on public land it's got a little pressure 
them Midwestern are a lot easier to kill and they're a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know that, I know the Midwest guys don't like us saying that, but I like I welcome y'all to come hunt Mississippi. I, I I'll be glad to show you some of the areas that go hunt them. And I, you can kill a deer, but they're not as big as them deer up there. You know, there might yeah. be one a year <laughs> in this county I live in that you know a couple. There'll be some good ones here, but they few and far between. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeremy, if if you don't mind, uh, I know Parker mentioned wanting to talk about moon phase here in just a little bit, but um, you, you mentioned South Dakota. So could you take us through kind of like what um, your what what that early season hunt is going to look for for you? Like, like um, kind of take us through what you're looking for right now. And then, well, so and then say, once I'm, you I'm, get I'm, there. Well, see, I've never hunted, and it's North Dakota. It's North Dakota. I didn't get a North Dakota. South I'm sorry. Dakota. Yeah. You had to put in, you put it put in for a tag for a certain time. But North Dakota, aren't you going to hunt feeding and bedding? You're going to hunt from where a deer's bedding at and where he's feeding. No different than mm-hmm. he's hunting here in the south in October, you know, if, if the crop is right. still in the field. So I'm I'm probably going to look for agriculture. And, and, and how I hunt rivers, that's no problem to find. I just got to find public land. And I know the Missouri River runs right through the middle of North Dakota, so that's probably where I'm going to start. But mm-hmm. I may look different other areas just to see because I'm, I'm wanting to go to Wisconsin and Illinois the end of October, November. So it's more of a scouting hunting trip is what I'm planning. You know, I'm, I'm right. going to go hunt in, in September, but I'm going to come back that other way and do a little scouting. Because one thing I learned, I, I told a guy this a while ago, it takes me, I like, the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. I don't, that, that's life, that's, that's a marriage, that's hunting, that's anything. So the more the more you put in it, the more you're gonna get out of it. That's right. So if that's why that's why I'm gonna go early and and scout and look for some, you know, I've got you know I find some spots there and I go look and probably put a, a camera or two up if you can. But main thing about read these regulations, all these things states are starting to change up on putting these cameras and stuff out and different things. So mm-hmm. so and on, and that's another tip I give them. Man, Kansas, that's thong gun is I've hunted several different times, but I guess I hunt so many different states. I don't pay a lot of attention to specific regulations. I knew I killed a deer out there three years ago. Man, I killed it. I got it. And I'm bad to just bone them out you know, on the spot because you kill a deer out of state now with this CWD, you can't bring a bone across state line. Mm-hmm. You know, right. be bone down. So I usually just bone them out in the woods. Well, I tagged it, boned him out, packed him out, got him back to pick up and called in for to tag it, check it in. Well, heck, you had to take a picture of the tag on the deer before you ever skin it. And I'm thinking, Dad, gummit. I didn't even check the regulation before huh. I done that. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I tried calling them, and it was Saturday morning. I couldn't get up with nobody, and I like, crap. I done ready to go back to the house. So I just took a picture of the tag on the meat and the horns and seen it, and I never did nothing out of them. But they're all different. That's what I basically say. If you go out of state, really check the tagging regulations and and how they've, you, you know, it's because some of them you got to take that sucker soon as you kill it. Mm-hmm. And some of them you got to call them in as quick as you can. So so I would basically say, really check on your regulation to be legal when you go to another place like that and, and to harvest an animal. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, also, just, just sorry, Park, I, I was just going to ask a question You're about, good. since you hunt so many different states, um, and and you were talking about the cameras, do you, do you use cell cams or do you just kind of put a camera out then go back and check it? Or do you let them sit? Well, or how, do, how, do, how does that well, work with hunting different states for you? Well, a lot of times if I'm going to a new spot and I'm I'm hunting close to the rut that I hadn't been in, so I know I've got a chance of killing a pretty good deer. Usually that first day, I just hit the ground and say if I find a good scrape, I put a, I put a camera that's going to send it to my phone because I want to know what's in there. I want to know what quality deer. If a 125 walks by there, if I need to shoot him or if there's 150 and 60s in there, that I'm not better let him go. So I, I try putting two or three cameras out to, that send it back to my phone if I'm hunting a place for, you know, I know I'm going to be there a week, and I do that. But now last year, and the last couple of years, I've done it a couple of different times. I've done it once in Kansas, I've done it in Arkansas last year. I put a camera out early, and I left it all year. And I went back and got the camera after season. What you will learn from that, I, I just got this one back from Arkansas. I didn't go pick it back up to turkey season. And it was in there from the open day of both season to the very end of season. And it showed how deer moved. They moved a little bit in October. November, the end of November, they really moved. For, there was about a 10-day period there. I had all kind of bucks in there. I didn't have a one guy walk by. Hmm. 
seen a little bit. Of, you, you could tell when them does would cycle. About every 28 days, that activity, you've seen a lot of bucks. But that, that peak rut, I've seen a lot of bucks. So I know now that area, them dates, if I'm open, I'm going to be in that hot hunt. You know, right. that, that's one thing I'd say about some of these cheaper cameras. Go buy you one of these Tascos at 30 bucks, $35. Yeah. And there's an area you want to go hunt, but you, you may not hunt it much this year, but you sort of want to know what's in there and when they're moving. Man, pick that sucker over a good scrape or a good trail up high. You know, you got to hide it. But a lot of these dang guys are stealing some kind of Just sort of hide it a little bit and put it <laughs> yeah. in an area. But you will learn a lot from it. It's basically the time a year they're moving. The best, you know, the best time to be there. Jim, yeah. one thing that you have done that is different from most people that are putting stuff out on YouTube or in video form is you have not been ultra secretive of where you're hunting all the time. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed about, about what you do. Well, here's the way I look at it. I could hunt a different place every day and I never hunt the same place again. There's that many of them out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, there's a lot of folks. I give them a general area. You know, I, basically when I do my show, I basically say, hey, don't try finding exactly where I'm at. You're not learning nothing from that. What I'm trying to show you is how I found an area. You go mimic it somewhere else and do the same thing. Because there's so many places that's just like it that may be a county over or maybe a state over. But it's, it's all confidence. You figure out how to do that, you can go kill a deer in any state. I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Have you ever had issues um, since you started videoing and just not being super secretive about what you, where you're at? Have you ever had issues with guys um, finding your videos and coming in on the areas that you're hunting? Not really, because I don't really try showing a lot of landmarks. Mm-hmm. Some of the locals might recognize it. You know, if I go down a river and there's a power plant on it or something pretty obvious, you know, I don't show it. Yeah. You know, at times I may show the boat ramp a little bit and somebody like, oh, I know where that boat ramp is, but they don't know which way I went up down that river. You know, it's, there are guys that there's some technology that, <laughs> you know, i got a buddy that does a lot of spray and stuff like that that's very sharp on maps. He can find, you give him an elevation of a lake, and he's like, okay, let's find how many lakes has got that elevation on it. You know, <laughs> you'd be surprised how some people can can find a spot. Or if you fool around and when you show that video, that coordinates is right in the bottom. Yeah. They know exactly where you are. Yeah. So there, you know, there are people out there like, yeah. But what I found, them guys, they ain't going to get out and bust their tail and hunt like this. Because hunting out of a boat, when it's, man, I've been on that Missouri River a couple different mornings when it's zero degrees in the single digits. You're talking about hard to get out of that truck and get in that boat and, and go up it and go hunting when it's that cold. I know it. I do it. I do it every time, man. <laughs> that's how I hunt. That's just the you way know, that I try to do it, you, and that's you're exactly right. You know, they, they're not many people going to do it that way. You run into a few duck hunters in the mornings, but, you know, I like I said, I don't know how many weeks I hunted last year. Very seldom I ever run into anybody. Because most of the time I leave for daylight and I don't come out after dark if I don't kill something. I just, I don't run in, you know, you're talking about people coming in on me. Most times they don't ever know I'm there because I kill a deer. I bone him out. I get him to the truck. I don't, nobody see him. I'm gone. I'm down the road and in the next day. And that's, that's a trick. I like, I, here, let me tell you something. Here's what I really like to do. When I know I got, say, a week or 10 days to go hunting and say, I've got an hour tag. I draw that tag. I pretty much know where I'm going that hour, but I know I got 10 days to hunt. Boom, I kill a big deer or a good deer the second day. I've got me a plan B that there's another state right there pretty close. I'm by over the county tag that I'm going to run and jump over and hunt. And I will have a plan C. But, you know, I don't buy that that other tag till I've killed that second deer. You know, there's a couple of times I've went and killed deer in three different states because I knew I had 10 days or two weeks to go hunt. So that's one thing I guess I would say to some of these young guys is, Especially if you hunt by yourself or just one person. It's, it's hard to do that with a group because you may tag out another four guys are sitting there still hunting and you're in one vehicle. Do you so, do you find I – w- I want you to talk a little bit about your your scouting. I know we, we mentioned a little bit with trail cameras and things, uh, but one thing that I feel mm-hmm. like has to be 
a thing that you're doing in all these states is devoting a lot of time or devoting a good amount of time um, to scouting before you ever hunt, especially in these places that you haven't been before. Can you talk about a little bit about what your system is like for finding the areas that you're actually hunting? Well, like I said, I get there in the morning. You know, I've done found a mouth place on the map that I'm starting. That's my starting point. You know, there's no guarantee that I'm gonna find a good stand location in that area, but that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And I and, and I try my best the first day I get there is to not climb a tree and hunt the first place I find. I try finding me three or four spots because you wanna. And I, I watch the weather and know what the wind's gonna be tomorrow. I know what the wind's gonna be the next day. So I'm really trying to find a stand location for say uh, that place I was hunting where you see me shoot that deer in uh, Kansas. I needed something east wind to it. Well, heck, first few days I was there, it was all out of the north. And it was blowing right the way the deer was coming from where I finally shot him. But mm-hmm. finally, when that wind shifted that day, you know, I knew it was finna shift the, the day before. So I already went in there and hung my stand. And I was waiting for that weather to shift around because I knew it was a good spot. It was just a little pinch point around that CRP field. It was coming off some private, and there was some big old rubs in there. You know, and like I said, I got a picture of him two nights there, so I knew he was in there. So I, I, a lot of it, you, you, you're watching that wind because it don't matter how good a hundred yards that sucker smells you, he's gone. You get full of mature deer. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I remember watching that video and you moved, you got down and you moved to another stand location that was, that was pretty close by. And I think that other stand location is where you ended up getting a shot at that, that bigger buck. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Um, that yeah, I'm thinking I, about I, in uh, was that that was Indiana, I believe, an Indiana hunt um, where there was snow. Oh yeah, on okay, the yeah, that's the one I shot in the snow there. Mm-hmm. That's as like I said, I was getting a dang big picture of it, a picture of a big buck right on the river right there. But the way I got the picture of him, the wind had shifted, was blowing that way, and I like, dang, you know, when when I got in there that morning, it was it was still pretty good. That's right. But the middle of the day, it started shifting. And, I, you know, like, there's no need of sitting there. So I moved and went on down the river to another little corner. Because most of the time, one thing about hunting river, how they bend like that, you can always get a good wind. You yeah. know, you can get in a different bend, a different direction, and get that wind right. Good point. Now, yeah, good point. You know, you've, you know, there's a place we hunt over in Arkansas in the bottom, a big flat bottom. That is one of the hardest places I've ever hunted for getting the wind. If you got a, Seven, eight, ten mile an hour wind is pretty constant. You can do good, but if it's one of them, it's it's blowing hard and it whirls every once in a while. You'll be sitting there, and it's like you're sitting in a bathtub. The wind will go one way, and five minutes, ten minutes later, it'll turn around and shift and go right backwards the way it comes. <laughs> and it and it's so hard to sit there, and, and it's big old deer in that country too. And you're like, you got a fifty fifty chance if he's coming up his trail that you hoping the wind is blowing right when he comes up. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it it's very hard to hunt like that there. And a lot of bottoms are like that, especially if they've got big water around them that'll change them thermals or just got a big hill on one side that the wind is whirling around. So you're you're looking for that perfect spot, you know. It's and another thing I'd say is some of the bigger deer I've killed, I go in there and a lot of just being lucky. You know, it's just trusting yourself and being lucky instead of good. It's Finding good sign, good big sign, got good wind, and climbing the first day and killing that sucker that evening. That or the leave you standing in there and get back in there the next morning and kill him the next morning. Mm. Very seldom I've ever killed a good deer that I've sat there and hunted three or four days in the same stand. I don't know if it like you know, he comes in there at night or whatever and, and knows something's different. But most time I've killed the best deer the first or second set. So, mm. so I look and hunt like that. You know, yeah. I hunt a good spot two or three times. And if I don't kill him, I'm going to move to another area. I'm going to move down a little bit further. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move around just a little bit. It seems like you're I not, guess I you're not that. moving around just like like huge distances. You're going in and you're finding an no. area that has good sign. And you're staying, you're, you're kind of breaking down uh, a general area pretty good. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting in the pickup going to the next WMA. You know, I just may move around on the other side of, or, or scout up another creek or something like that. I, I guess I learned that years ago when I was a kid. You know, you know a big deer's been seen in the county here. You know, everybody's like, man, there's a big deer over here. And you get in there and you hunt, you're hunting that sun gun, and somebody just stumble in there and kill him. 
or he'll get run over on the road. Somebody that didn't know nothing about him would end up killing him. So I got sort of hunting like, all right, I'm going to hunt a deer like that. I'm just going to go in a place here every once in a while and stumble up and try being lucky. And I'm telling you, I killed a lot of deer like that, just going into place blind. And the first day or two there, it seemed like you can kill a pretty good deer. That is instead of just consistent okay. with a lot of people that kill deer. I can, I can tell you for me, um, and I'm I've nowhere nearly the level that you are as far as um, consistency. But the bigger deer that I have killed in my lifetime, bigger public land deer, have been first and second time sits in a spot. Um, I'm actually first. Almost every single yeah, yeah. one of them that I can think of that I've got on my wall have been first time sits in an area. Um, that's, that's it's just it's one of those common denominators that you're talking about. You know, you've got you've got your um, your feeding times, the moon the moon times that you're talking about. You've got the fronts. You've got um, you know things like that that are that are always common denominators for you. Um, but one of those things for me that that always seems to be right is if I find a good area, I, if it's the first time that I've sat there, my likelihood of killing a good deer is going to go up pretty significantly if all those other things line up for sure. That's 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 true. You know, and I may scout, and, and a lot of times, say if I'm say if I'm up with in Illinois, and the weather's super warm, you know, but I'm there hunting. I don't really climb and try hunt i scout then i really prioritize my time to say if the, the move time showed it's better in the morning now I'm, i may get up and hunt a little bit that morning but the rest of the day i'm going to go scout and i may go to an, a totally different place and scout example in illinois that i mean in iowa the deer i killed in 16 but then hunting the river and killed 120 and 30 inch deer you know and that was big for me then in mississippi i thought that's a good deer but I'm like, man, I'm in I'm in big buck country. I'm I'm finna I done a lot of reading that summer. Was the guy who was he got talking about the area that I hunted, and he's like, this area is no different than the Golden Triangle in Illinois because it basically was some lure seals there. I got thinking that, that makes sense. That that ground grows big deer. Anywhere you get next to Delta, next to a river, you got wind disseminated soil away from it. That's called lure seals. It's it's just a lighter soil that usually always grows things big hardwood timber. Well. It was hot that week, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go scout this place. It was about two hours from where I've been hunting. And I'm mad when I find a place like that. I walked the property line. I, I pretty much walked the line because there was a big private block next to it. There was no hunting. So that's always, if you can find a block that you can't hunt, you know that that's where the deer's at. Yeah. So I walked, and I found a dang good trail right in the corner of the property. And there was a big front coming the next day. So i like, all right. I'm going to go back in there and climb that, that spot. I got in there the next morning, and when I got to where I wanted to be, there was a dang buck chasing a doe. He was like a 115-inch deer, and he, he run off. I'm like, dang, this is a good spot. This is where I knew this is where I wanted to climb. Well, I climbed up that tree, and it got snow in its tail off, wind blowing 30 <laughs> miles an hour, and I'm like, I'm like, dang, this is miserable. I, I grunted real loud, didn't, didn't think nothing can hear me. And I looked up 40 yards from it, and the biggest buck at that time I'd ever seen was rubbing a tree. And I'm like, Dad, come where'd that sucker come from? You know, he was just sitting there rubbing that tree, you know, and I had a good wind because it was going the other way. I'm like, man, I'm in the driver's seat here. But I knew there was two trails. There was one coming straight to me, and there was one that was going to parallel me. And he, I grunted at him again. He took his old head up, and boy, he got licking his nose, trying to moisture it where he could smell. And that sucker turned and come straight to me, and I shot him seven steps. And I think, man, 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 just, that was luck. You know, it was just being in that right spot at the right time. It was, don't, I mean, yeah, I think I had this conversation with a guy today talking about luck, and a lot of times it is luck, but just like a good gambler, he tests his, he puts his luck to the test when the time is right. Um, He, a, a a good gambler still knows when uh, what what's the song you got to know when to hold hold them and know when to fold them like you still got to know those things it still might be a little bit of luck but um you you put a lot of things together in that situation that i mean you know your the odds were 
turning more in your favor with every well, step well, that, that you, you make took. Your, you, you, the old saying, you endure bad luck and you make your, make good luck. That's true. That's that's just what I've done. I basically, that hot weather wasn't worth a darn. I was enduring that bad luck. But when I knew that front was fitting to change, I changed area, and I, I, I really liked the spot when I scouted the day before. And like I said, everything lined up to my advantage, and boom, you know, one of the biggest deer ever killed with a bow popped up right there. So tell me, Jeremy, these areas that you're talking about, like we've pretty much established, I think, um, pretty well. You you go into a lot of places and you kill the first time that you're in there or within the first couple of days. Do you ever go back to these areas and experience the same amount of luck, or do you find that once you've had success in in one area that it, it maybe never quite recovers from uh your success there that funny you say that because you think man you find that spot you you found a spot good year after year and generally that area could be good year after year example i killed him in arkansas place hunt over there in that river bottom i told the wind is so bad there was a front coming in and like i said it but that area it seems like always from the 1st of December to the 10th of December. It's always, because we've run this place for 20 years, me and a couple of my buddies. And the biggest deer we've always killed has always been pretty much between that 1st and the 10th of December. But it was like the 6th of December. I found a pretty good spot in there on a scrape. And I was working that evening. And it, it started setting in raining because that front coming in. And I told my buddy that was helping me, I'm like, I'm going to run dark as I was I said, the moon phase is showing at 3.30. They're going to be up on their feet moving. So I drove two hours and got over there and got in the stand. 3.30, here come a dang deer coming straight to me, probably 135-inch eight-point, just walking straight to me. And I just bought a new bow for the week before. And I changed up my kisser button and everything on it and changed my anchor point up. He come walking straight to me. Seven steps, I shot right between his front feet. <laughs> i like, I didn't know what I'd done wrong when I'd done it. i like, he jumped out there and turned around. i like, what the heck did I just do wrong? And I got another air and got knocked. When I draw back then, I felt my kisser button. I'm like, damn it, I didn't set right. You know, I hit the bow cock too high and I shot right. But go back to that story, I, I got to go back over Saturday morning. So I was in the same tree Saturday morning that I shot him out of. The wind was blowing just a little bit different. It got turning, blowing right the way he come that, that, that Wednesday. Well, I, damn it, I'm going to move up the creek a little bit. I got my stuff down, got up the tree, I was pulling my bow up, and I look, and here he come walking around the side of that creek, coming straight to me. Same deer, same buck. He come and come five yards from me, and I shot him and killed him. Well, my buddy was over there, and I thought, well, dang, I got tomorrow to hunt. So I'm like, I've always heard that old saying, this, you kill a good buck in a tree today, and you, you kill another the next day. I've never done it. I've heard some guys doing it before. So I'm like, I'm going to go back to that same tree and hunt it again. Well, it was 9.30 I killed him that morning. 10.30 the next morning, here come another buck chasing doe, come right on the same tree, and I killed him. I'm like, I found the spot over here. The next year, I hunted that town 10 times and never just see a rat buck out of it. So <laughs> that goes to tell you, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. They're not good. But that bottom that year didn't have acorns in it, so I, I think it changed them up a little. Yeah. So, And and the big deer in Iowa, I went back several years later when I drove that tag in and thought, Oop, I found the spot. Hunted three times, never did see a decent rat buck in it. So, you know, no, I don't think you can kill a, a a real big deer and go back and kill a real big deer out of the same tree three and four, five years down the road. Hmm. The percentages are against you, Yeah, in, in my opinion, of what I've hunted. Sure. I have better luck as yeah. going to the next WMA or going a little bit further somewhere else and might kill a, a good one. That's true. I mean, and, and I think a lot of that is, uh, I guess you could call it um, fate or something like that. And a lot of it's going to be your mindset too. You know, we, we talked about a little bit yesterday on the phone. Confidence is, confidence is very, very important. And a lot of guys go in year after year. We talked to a guy um, named Michael Perry, who is a, a, a great deer hunter. He has success year after year. And a lot of times he's hunting the same spots year after year. And he's killing, he's killing big deer there. Um, but for, for you, you know, your confidence is in being mobile and going and, and finding new places. And so I think a lot of that's just, it's just your style of hunting. You know, I'm sure you could, if you did it enough, you would probably be able to go in and, you know, if that was your style of hunting and you were confident in it, 
you just have your one spot there and you'd probably eventually kill another buck out of it. But I, I definitely see what you're saying and I'm I'm right there with you. I think a lot of listeners probably are as well. Um Yeah. But I do I do really like the aspect, you know, talking about different factors and different denominators for you that tend to be um tend to be really really good for your success. I want to talk a little bit about something that I've noticed on your videos. Um, it seems like you you hunt a lot of m- more maybe in the Midwest and north northern states, but it seems like you're hunting over scrapes quite a bit. Do you find it different hunting in the south over scrapes versus hunting in the Midwest or in the north over a scrape? I do because in the south, very seldom I've had a buck come in daylight to a scrape. You know, you may catch him chasing a doe, come by there with a scrape, but very, very seldom I've ever had a, a, you know, a good mature deer come into a scrape in the daytime here in the south. I don't know what it is, but now the area where I'm running around there is a lot of dog hunting. Yeah. I don't know if that affects it. You know, when the gun rifle season is going on too, that time of year here in the south. But now Midwest different. If you can, I really like hunting the Midwest. It's right before the peak of the rut when the bucks are sort of really running them scrapes. And, and checking them, you catch that moon phase right. You know, especially a lot of times, right when the full moon is coming up and it's not full yet. A lot of times that evening is is right. That moon may be three-fourths full straight up over your head in the evenings. I've shot a couple of different bucks before in the Midwest that I can remember. That moon was just coming. I shot one in Kansas one time. Right after I shot, I looked and the moon was just coming up and it was full as it could be. That was that minor time. Because that mm-hmm. you know, minor time is right when it's coming in when it's setting. And it was about the first of November, really about ten days before the rut was peaked. So yeah, I do really like hunting around, you know, scrapes in the Midwest a lot better than I do here in the South. You know, in the South, I usually hunt travel corridors. It's it's, and I'm I'm you know, like I said, I grew up gun hunting in the South because our our rifle season's in the South. You, you look at most hunters in the South, especially older hunters, they're gun hunters mm-hmm. because that now you get up in Illinois when they're their bow season is during the peak of the rut. You got a lot of older bow hunters. I was the same way. Yeah, you know, I think the the state order determines a lot of what how folks hunt because you know that's the best time to hunt during the rut. So what weapon can you use? It's going to determine pretty much how a lot of the people in that state hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you see that. I mean, I've said that forever, and and used to, um, used to I would try to you know say come up with an excuse why i killed a deer with a rifle or whatever you know just when i was younger because everybody you know everybody in the quote-unquote industry is a bow hunter and that's what everybody does everybody's always hunting with a bow and if you didn't kill with a bow then then it don't matter as much as if you killed a deer with a or if you killed a deer with a rifle it doesn't matter as much as if you killed it with a bow but then you just really get to thinking about it and it's like you know what no that's not that's not true at all this is just how (laughs) I was raised in the South. I was raised in Texas, and our our rifle season is is long. And then I moved to Alabama. We have a long rifle season, and that's just that's just how you hunt down here, you know. Well, and like I said, and that rifle season during the rut. I'm telling you because that's that determines it to me more is if you're a good hunter, you're going to hunt the best time of the year, and you're going to hunt with. It don't matter to me what I kill it with now. If I kill it with a rifle, kill it with a bow. I ain't got shooting a crossbow a little bit last year because my eyes. I got where I can see my pins like I used to. That that deer that I hit two inches to the right in Kansas, uh-huh. it really mm-hmm. got me thinking, man, it don't matter what you kill it with. When you grab, get your hands on that son of a gun, you know you, you found that set. You got that deer that close. You know, to me, getting a deer close, now, that power line, I've shot deer four and 500 yards. I've done it. That's not nothing like shooting a deer at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. You don't, right. don't care if you shoot him with a gun or if you shoot him with a bow, because you know you you fooled him and got him that close. You know it, it's like that big deer shot in Iowa a couple of years ago. When he come in there at seven steps and I shot him, he didn't have a clue. I was nowhere around. That was pretty much one of the awesomest feelings I've ever ever had in my life. You know I won't never forget that. Yeah. Because as soon as that arrow went through him, I knew I had him. Yeah. It's a good feeling. <laughs> it's such a good feeling. I, I, yeah, know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because most of the deer that I kill, even with a rifle anymore, I, I rarely ever kill a deer over 40, 35, 40 yards with a rifle just because of my mindset. I'm always setting up 
Just the, my, the way I set up during gun season is about the same way I set up during bow season. It's I don't yeah. ain't nothing really changes much for me, and uh, a lot of it's just because, like you, I I do enjoy that um, that feeling of being able to get them in close. You know, you get better camera, get better video when they come in close like that. It's just it's just fun, man. Yeah. I I love it, Drew. I know you grew up a little bit differently as well, growing up in Florida and hunting with dogs, and so it can be you yeah know, a, a little bit a little bit different than what of a lot of our uh northern neighbors how they were raised you know yeah 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 well well and especially in the south dog hunting has a really rich tradition i know and it's controversial you know but um it's uh it's actually if, if you were to ask me you know hey what what's your favorite way to hunt that is my favorite way to hunt i mean it's just the way i grew up doing it and so it's 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 just a lot of fun but just like jeremy said man like there's it i see it all the time people post a deer on social media and they just get grilled like you could have the crossbow it it don't count and i'm like well it's still dead you know <laughs> yeah. like that's, like that's i don't that's I, what i killed him. i don't yeah i'm i'm the one that put the work in and i went and found him did all this stuff and and so um but but also jeremy too i wanted to ask you because i know some guys will listen to this podcast and they're gonna be like man how does this how does this guy do this? Like, how does he go, how, how does he go to all 50 States? And, and, and we got a lot of guys that, you know, that, that, that are single guys that are engaged guys that have family guys. You know I mean? There's, there's, we have a wide variety of people. So Jeremy, if you don't mind, kind of, kind of break that down, how, how, how that has progressed for you over the years. Cause I know you, you, you didn't always hunt like this. Cause I watched one of your videos and, and, and so, can you just break down, like, for, for the guy that's asking themselves, like, there there's, ain't no way that I could go to two or three out-of-state hunts in a year. Can, well, can you just break down well, what, well, what that I, is? Well, I, 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 I put a show out this year that I took a lot of pride in. It was a place that's private land here next to me. It, I basically say, go watch it. It's called Life Hacks of Hunting, and it basically describes mm-hmm. that. But, but I tell you, in short, here's what I look at. When I was 20 years old, I loved to hunt. I'm doing, I really love to hunt. That was a passion I really liked to do. And I got into business and got real successful, made a good bit of money, and I thought, I want to make a living hunting. But I had a goal that I wanted to retire when I was 40 years old. I, I didn't want to work my whole life. I didn't want to work my whole life, a job, busting my tail, and then die. So I basically set me a goal that when I turned 40, I want to retire. But uh, I got doing this hunting. Like I said, I got very successful. Sold a business and hunted for three years. When I was basically 28 to 31 years old, I didn't do nothing but hunt for three years. This country, if you'll bust your tail and work hard and take a lot of pride in what you do, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. You're going to get knocked on your face several times. Jump up and learn from it and keep going. So basically what I tell these young guys out here, especially the young guys that's married, because I was in the same boat. I got married when I was 23. One of them three years that I basically didn't do nothing but hunt, I had three young kids at the house. And my wife went back to school and got her teaching degree. And I made it I made it to the outdoor channel with a show. But I had to choose. I had to choose between my three girls or hunting like this. Well, it wasn't worth it. I, I basically took chose my wife and three girls. But you see a lot of them in the hunting industry, they're divorced. And I basically tell them, you know, don't it ain't worth it. Them, them kids is yeah. your responsibility. You know, work hard for them kids. Well, I done that. I didn't stop hunting. I still would go on one hunt a year, basically. You know, I I, I rewarded myself. That I took off a week in November for the last 20 years and went hunting somewhere. But that was all I could do. And then I hunted right home. Well, I basically got my girls out of school, got them into college. I got hunting, back hunting a little bit more. But well, I basically got them out of college now, and I'm half-age, semi-retired at 54, and I can do it. Because I invested in some different things. You know, that's why they say to y'all, when you're younger, hey, work hard, but don't spend everything you make. Don't don't have the best vehicle and the biggest house. Because, like Dave Ramsey said, eat like nobody else for one day you can eat like nobody else. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's true. And, and I've done several shows, and you'd be surprised at the people that's responding like, hey, I, I've, I've sort of done what you said. I've done that over time, and, and I'm in pretty good shape, and I can pretty much do what I want to now. But yeah. so many people get in a rut that they want this new boy. 
they want this new gun and stuff. When when do they need it? You know, that's what I basically say. If you'll plan a little bit, we used to do a lot of trade shows 20 years ago, right before we done our first show. Because, you know, we thought, well, that's how you got to make money. And a lot of folks would say, how can you go hunt? How can you go do that? I don't have the time. If if you want to do something bad enough, you'll make the time. You, you know, you may have to give up a little bit here to go do this. So I guess that would be one thing I'd say to a young guy that's safe in the mid-20s, got you a decent job, got a kid or something, but you'd really love to hunt. Make a little bit of time for it. You know, you may have to plan three months in advance and put a little bit of money back for this hunt. Put a little bit of money back six months in advance so when it gets here, hey, I can go do this. Because hunting public land is not very expensive. If you can buy your license and you can get there, you got to eat here. If you don't mind camping or sleeping in a vehicle, you know, yeah. if you got to have a motel room, that's a little extra expense, but budget for it. You know, you can call in ahead and find out how much motel room is. You'd be yeah. surprised how cheap you can go see this country if you do it on a budget. You know, I guess that's what I, and I, and I'm, I really want to encourage the younger generation to do this because it's, I've had a ball to it. And yeah. when you get to a certain point, you know, I guess I've done one show that I basically said, it was one of my bucket list shows. That's at Indiana High. And I, I basically wanted to make people think. I wanted them to think a little bit. Because I always looked at, when I got 50, I guess I was over the hump. Well, crap, when you get to 50, you get thinking. Crap, that's half of 100. I'm way over the hump. I'm done way <laughs> on the downhill slide. <laughs> so, so you get thinking, when you're 35 or 40, you might be able to be thinking, you might be about to the top and you go on the downhill side on the other side. So, But when you get to that point, you think a lot different. It's not about you no more. It's about what what can you pass on to this next generation that you learn. Because all this lot of knowledge that you've learned, if you don't pass it on, it goes with you. You know, it goes to the grave with you. So, yeah. and I've had several older guys that really helped me in business that told me the same thing. Hey, that man, I've had a lot of help getting here. If you got any question, any way I can help you, don't mind asking. And I guess I'm the same way with hunting. You know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I got to go out west at a real young age. You know, my dad got me out there my junior year in high school, me and a couple of my buddies. And he wasn't a big hunter, but he knew I loved to hunt. And then when I graduated high school, I got to go to Montana. And I fell in love with Montana now. I hunted Montana 14 different years on a road up there. And really done that out west hunting and, and I loved it. And that's basically what i done with Daniel. I looked at him and I got him hunting in different places. Because most of the time a young guy, all you got to do is light that fire for him. You light that fire for him and they say, ooh, I can go do this. I can go camp and hunt over here because they, they'll keep that fire going and then they can pass yeah. it on to the next one. So, you know, I guess that's what I would say to the younger guys is, hey, get out there and do it, but just do it on your budget and, and sort of plan for it because I promise you won't regret it. And then, and then mountain states, I heard Randy Newberger say one time, and it's a true statement, you're going to run out of health before you run out of wealth. Or you hear a lot of guys say, I'm a, when I get where I can afford it, I'm going to go do it. Now, go hunt them mountain states while you can enjoy it and you're in shape. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's so good. That is, that that's is good, bro. That is one of my favorite things, I think, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking about about it. One of my favorite things about what you guys do with the do-it-yourself hunter is I love the age dynamic between you and Daniel. Um, Daniel's a young guy, you know, you can tell. He, he, y'all, y'all are so different from each other, but so much alike at the same time. And you get a different, you get a different, um, personality with, with each of your videos. But, um, it, 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 to me, it's one of the thing that sticks out is you got a guy who you said's 53 and you got a guy who's probably in, I don't know, how old's Daniel? 20 something, you know, Not, 20. Yeah, he's 20. He turned 20 this year, 20 years old. And, and y'all are cutting up together and have a good having a good time together and uh you're really putting your money where your mouth is i think talking about getting the next generation into the into the sport and and lighting that fire and, and you can see that in, in action with uh with yours and daniel's videos and so i think that's a great point to to end this episode on you know we've been talking for a little bit and i feel like we've gotten a good idea of what you're doing and how you're doing it and um Man, I think the sky's the limit for you guys. I, I really don't think yeah. uh, this is going to be the last that, that anybody hears about the do-it-yourself hunter because you guys are putting out great content and you got a great heart behind it. And so uh, just from us over here at Southern Ground, man, we really appreciate what you're doing and what Daniel's doing and uh, the 
the good taste that you're leaving in people's mouths for the hunting industry. I think that that, uh, that speaks volumes about you guys. Uh, well, good luck to everybody out there. And like I said, it's, I, you know, I guess I've had a lot of fun doing what I've done, and I hope I can, I can do it. I, you know, I know every day's getting close to my last one, but don't worry about that. Just have fun while you're here. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout-out to all of our partners, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And be sure to check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.